by the power of Freddy Skull. You are listening to Talk To Me. All right, guys, let's welcome to the show Gus G of Firewind, a great, powerful new album, self-titled album, out May 15th. Uh, Gus G, how you doing, man? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I am doing well. You know, it's funny, in the uh, in, in the research for this interview, I sat down and I was like, you know what, I wonder what that G stands for. So I look it up, and not only does the G not stand for anything, Gus is not even your real name, you have an amazing name. Yes. Tell me your real pretty, actual pretty, name, man. It's it's amazing. It's pretty uh, unique, at, at least for an American that might attempt it. But if, for, for Greeks, it's a normal name. So, yeah. My name is uh, Constantine. So, Constantinos. So, um, but for some reason, you know, I have family in the States. I have, um, I don't know if you know the story. Anyways, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I, yeah, I tell have. My uncle, my, my mom's brother, lives in Florida. And um, I remember when I was a kid, I was visiting him and I said, uh, Hey, uncle, what's what's my name in English? He said, Oh, your name is Gus. <laughs> I said, Really? He said, Yeah, yeah, that's that's your name. Uh, I said, Why? Because that's that's Gus. You know, that's your, the, the translation of your name in, in American is Gus. And then later on, I found out that, that was not correct at all, obviously. But somehow all the um, uh, Greek immigrants that came to the States in the, I don't know, 60s or 70s or 50s, I don't know, um, all the guys that were named Kostas, like me, they became Gus. Nice. Um, so it's not correct, but it's I guess it's a Greek thing anyway. So there you have it. Nice. Yeah, I was looking at it. I was like, man, Constantinos, that's, a, that's the name right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that would have been a, a a cool stage name as well, but yeah. Yeah, probably too late now to change it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, the new album, the self-titled album. Is there a, a reason behind it being self-titled? I know a lot of bands talk about, you know, a, a band's rebirth. You know, you, you self-titled the album, anything like that? It is exactly that. Um it is a rebirth for us. It's a it's a new start, even though it's, even though it's our ninth record. Usually, you'll start with a self-titled album when you're you know when it's your debut album, but we didn't do that back then. So um, you know now now it made sense more than ever because it was a big lineup change, a new singer, and we went from being a five-piece into you know to a four-piece band. So um, yeah. And also, I think musically wise, I, you know, th- th- this album is a little bit of a collection of a lot of the past elements that we've had uh, throughout our, you know, history. So, uh, yeah, I, this was the perfect, the perfect uh, timing to name, to have a, a, an album with just our name. Yeah. And this one's the first one to feature Herbie uh, Langens. Was it Langens? Langens? Yeah, yeah, Langans, yeah. On uh, vocals, how did you uh, come across him, and uh, how was he working out in the band? Uh, yeah, it was through the record label, actually, AFM Records. They, uh, I had asked them if uh, they knew somebody who could help me to finish the record, basically, and uh, they suggested Herbie, and yeah, they sent me some links. I checked him out. I was blown away by his vocal ability, and I actually 
I realized that I had heard of I heard of his ex band uh, Sinbreed like years ago, and I remember going, "Wow, what a great singer! He would be great in Firewind." So, anyways, they put my, they put us in touch, and um, we started working almost right away. You know, I sent him like a track to, to try out, like an older track, and then I uh, I tried writing something with him. I sent him one of my newer riffs. The first track we did was Devour. From there on, you know, it went pretty fast. And uh, with the writing process of st- something like this, are you a uh, you know get in a room and jam kind of guy, or are you are you just taking advantage of technology and sending files back and forth? Yeah, I've always done that. You know, always since the beginning, we were kind of like a we started out as a file sharing band. So I always do all this stuff here. My you know I have a Pro Tools uh, software here at home, like a home studio and. You know, I just write stuff by myself. I'm, I'm used to like that. You know, I, I program the drums, I play all the instruments, and then I, you know, I'm used to working with the singer, sending files, and then getting back the vocal melodies and go back and forth. Um, what we used to do in the past is like we would do all the demos like that, the pre-production. Then we would get in a room all together and jam everything and sort of do the final tweaks there. But uh, on this record, it didn't really happen. You know, I just, you know wrote everything and we just went along like that now listening to the album the one track that obviously jumps out as a, as a little bit of a, a left field track to me was a overdrive but man what a what a classic sounding track so cool sounding and uh, just just tell me a little bit more about overdrive um yeah yeah um uh, it, it was one of those outsider tracks you know like i knew it was different I knew it might not make the final cut, you know, uh, but still I liked it. I thought it was different because I'm a big fan of, you know, this 80s Sabbath stuff like Heaven and Hell, uh, uh, Headless Cross, you know, or Dio, you know, Holy Diver. So it's like it's got that kind of vibe on there. And um, anyways, yeah, I, I sent it to Herbie and I said, look, man, this is not like the usual track that we would do, but maybe if it comes out cool vocally maybe we can use this and came up with a vocal line and it was uh it was great i thought wow fits fits his vibe so good and uh we're like okay i'm like okay we're definitely using that so we're like let's make this song kind of like type of anthem you know like a heavy metal anthem sort of like you know talking about the you know the drive in us you know to 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 keep us going and of course you know like a like a thank you to to the fans that support heavy metal in general so it's that kind of a track, you know, nothing, nothing really, you know, not reinventing the wheel or anything, but just a nicely done classic heavy metal track. Now, is it not sacrilege for you to do an 80s Sabbath sounding song, you know, kind of a, an ode to Dio with, with your time in Ozzy? No, why should it be? I mean, uh, you know, I, I love Ozzy and I love Dio. I mean, right. It's not like, it's not like you have to pick sides or something, you know? No, I know. It's, it's, it's all fun. Um, you know, one thing I, I did notice that, you know, you and I are roughly the same age. I'm about a year older than you. So I grew up, you know, kind of in that new metal era with, with corn and Limp Bizkit and everything else. And I'm kind of wondering how, what you were listening to kind of growing up and, you know, what kind of put you in this, in this direction of, of almost music, maybe a generation before us. Yeah, that is correct. Like you say, uh, it's, um, for me it was, uh, I don't know, uh, I grew up listening to, I mean, 90s for me was, early 90s was Metallica and, and Guns N' Roses on MTV. And then shortly after it was the grunge era. Mm-hmm. 
obviously. And right around that time, you know, actually I was a big Nirvana fan, and I, I liked that, you know, when I was 13, 14, because it was easy to play, you know, just strumming on chords, and uh, I was still a newbie on guitar, too. So, but, and then somebody just gave me, like, you know, some classmate of mine gave me two cassettes. One of it was, um, actually it was two different friends of mine. One of them gave me a Black Sabbath tape, which was a life-changing thing, like, wow, this is this is heavy metal, you know, like I've never heard before. And then the other one was a cassette of Ingve Malmsteen. So <laughs> wow, which was it was heavy metal, but it was done so differently. You know, it was like all this technical stuff, and so it was like a big revelation to me. Like so, um, I went down that that path basically, like that classic heavy metal. Um, yeah. So to me, when all the like you said, all the new metal stuff came. It, it it didn't really appeal to me, you know, like this stuff that had all this rap in there. And I, I liked singers who could actually sing melodies, you know. And uh, um, I like guitar players that had a great vibrato and, you know, and technical abilities. And so I was into all that stuff as opposed to the, you know, the more hip stuff of the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, being a guitar shredder in the 90s is almost unheard of. You know, grunge and new metal both weren't known for uh, guitar virtuosos. So, I mean, you know, to, to, I mean, I know there's obviously stuff going on at the same time, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, 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 that time period almost killed the guitar solo for, so for someone of, of our age to, you know, dive into guitar as, as much as you did, you know, that's, uh, that's a, a testament to what you did. It is, and I mean, if you think also back then, you know, growing up in Greece, like getting records distrib- distributed here, like more underground stuff, it was very hard to to, uh, to get a hold of, you know, like from smaller labels like Shrapnel Records, where they would put out all these guitar shredders and stuff. It was really hard to get a hold of all those albums here. Um, you know, this is pre-internet, like it's just. But but I enjoyed the whole underground aspect of it i you know it was uh it was something cool about that like you were kind of like stick in your corner and like listen to your own little thing and you know it was kind of sad but kind of cool at the time at the same time that only i knew about this and maybe a couple of friends of mine more you know that was it yeah did you have a uh like a record store that you could go to that you know you eventually found or anything like that that would you know stock some of this stuff for you there were a couple of shops small record shops downtown that you know that was specializing in metal and you would go and check out what came out every month or they had some vinyl on sale and that's where i picked up uh some vinyl of you know racer x and cacophony or marty friedman stuff like that a lot of guitar stuff that you know it was like it was on sale like it was was that you could get it like much cheaper than like a normal new heavy metal record that came out at the time like was one third of a price and I would buy all those, you know, guitar records. Yeah. Well, I could definitely see, you know, you're being a kid and reading the magazines and reading about Cacophony and reading about Racer X and, you know, and then finally getting it after so many months or so many years type thing and being much more of a uh, gratification to finally get it than now where, you know, you read about Racer X and you pull up your Spotify and it's right there for you. So I, I could see it being a much more fun, almost like a treasure hunt kind of thing as a kid. Yeah, yeah, it was. You're right. Yeah, and or like you know, I would pick up the new Guitar World issue that was in the. So you could only buy it in certain certain uh, uh, kiosks where they sold international press, 
And even though, even like guitar publications back then, they didn't cover much of these guitar players. There was like this little page ads in there with the guitar records. You would see small, small ads and you would try to figure out who is this new guitar player that Mike Varney discovered. And it was cool, man. It was, uh, yeah, like you said, something to be said about that kind of, uh, those times, you know, and, um, and then, you know, the VHS era, you know, like you would buy all these, um, guitar videos like learn how to play all the licks from paul gilbert and ingve and all those guys it was it was cool you know yeah very good and did you grow up learning uh you know the jakey lee stuff the randy road stuff the zach wild stuff so when it came time to audition for ozzy you already had it or was that something you kind of had to go back and kind of relearn i knew it of course i was familiar with it some I, i didn't know all the songs some of it i knew how to play uh but not like so much in detail you know of course when you go in, into an audition like that you prepare differently you know for that so uh, yeah i did way more research i i searched on the internet all different versions from all different guitar players you know go back to the original records and that kind of thing and in, in learning that type of stuff and having almost three distinct guitar styles to have to kind of replicate when you do the live show did you go into it going, all right, well, this is a Jakey Lee song, so I know that he likes to do you know, this type of arpeggio or you know, whatever guitar nerd uh, term we're going to use. But I mean, you know, you know that Jake likes to play like this and Randy likes to play like, uh, likes to play like that. So you kind of understand what they're doing or, or was it kind of a, a, a blank canvas on each song uh, that you had to learn? No, I, I already was familiar with every guitar player style, of course. You know, these guys are some of my favorite players and so I knew their sound and style, of course, and um, I knew what to go for in each song. Yeah. And is it a uh, human nature for you to check out uh, the new Ozzy album and kind of go like, you know, this is what I would have done here and this is what I would have done there? Or are you able to listen to the new Ozzy and just listen to it as a uh, as a new record? I actually just listened to it, to be honest, as a fan. I did not think of, oh, I, I would have done this and that here and stuff like I, I didn't I didn't get into that. I, I just actually listened to the songs for what they were. I took it for what for what it was, uh, without really thinking. Oh, you know, I mean, of you know, we would have had more guitar here or there. Or I would have done that. I mean, honestly, I mean, the new record he made. It's not even really a heavy metal record like his previous stuff was. It's more of it's it's a totally different record. You know, it's it's still Ozzy, of course, but it's like a good mix of pop and 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 like rock stuff more like hard rock stuff i didn't hear like the it wasn't like the the heavy stuff that you would hear from that zach did and all that so it's it's so i didn't i you know i took it for what it is you know it's it's ozzy today collaborating with whoever who's collaborating and uh you know did i like the songs yes i did yeah and that's that's all that matters to me yeah, that was my. Uh, I think that's pretty much everyone's only complaint about the album was the the lack of over the top guitar playing that an Ozzy yeah. record, uh, you know, is known for. Yeah, yeah, that that element was was certainly missing from this record, you know. But maybe I I thought it was probably done on, on purpose like that because I remember when I was there and we did all the guitar parts for Scream, and then like I went back home and they're like, well we need you to come back and like add more guitar. <laughs> I was like, wow, there's already a lot of solos. They were like, well, we'll add more because that's like a, a thing for, you know, that Ozzy is like known for and having a lot of those little, not just like plain rhythm tracks, but having all those little 
little guitar fills here and there. So, so they, I remember back then they asked me specifically to, you know, do more fills and more lead breaks here and there. Um, but I think this album was a bit more of a simplistic when it came to the guitar. Um, but, and I think that was done for a reason, you know, and, uh, I think, uh, the, the guy, Andrew Watt, he's a, he's a, he's like a blues rock guitar player. So that, you know, it's, so it's not like your, your, your typical metal guitar guy, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think he did a great job. You know, he's a great songwriter. That guy is really talented. And back to the, uh, the new Firewind album, you know, how, how, did you guys have any discussions about delaying this because of the pandemic, the worldwide pandemic, or, or are you just going to trudge through and, and uh, you know, hope for the best? Well, I was the guy who was worried about it most. You know, I was calling the label every day going like, are we still doing this? I was, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but they thought it was a, you know, we should continue. So, Hey, I mean, um, at the end of the day, I, I had to trust them on this. You know, I, I told them, well, you know, if you think you can sell records through this time and we can uh, continue to, to do this and um, as like business as usual, then okay, you know, cool. Um, for me, it's okay because I, uh, I'm happy that we get to release this now, even though if we cannot tour, because we, uh, you know, we can still reach people at home and I think people will be checking out music at home. They need to do that anyways. So um, and, 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 you know, music is a good gate, gateway to all the, all the crazy stuff that we go through. It's the soundtrack of our lives. So, you know, if nothing else, this will be the, the album of the coronavirus times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't thought about that. I haven't thought about, you know, the, the, the bands releasing albums right now. And, you know, you always attach an emotion or a feeling to an album. And so when people go back and, and you know, 10, 15 years and put on the self-titled Firewind album, they're going to go back to thinking about, you know, being quarantined in their house and, and how it was nice not to have to work for a couple of months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably will be thinking of that. Like, wow, this came out when this pandemic, we're like, wow. What a fucking crazy time, right? So, yeah. Are you going to do Why not? Have you guys thought about doing stuff outside the box like a lot of bands are doing, you know, doing some, you know, live guitar playthroughs on on a YouTube channel and and things like that? Yeah, of course, we will be doing stuff like that. Um so yeah, I I will be filming some playthroughs, stuff like that. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I mean, uh, using our social media platforms these days is very um it's essential, you know, it's very, it's very, um, it's very important to, to keep reaching our audience, our fans. Um, and thank God that we have that, you know, we have a, a following online and, uh, uh yeah, we, we can reach our fans that way. And, um, you know, we'll get back to the normal touring thing when the world is back up and running. And the, um, you know, how is Greece handling this? I know here in the United States, you know, it's, it's kind of state by state, um, you know, how each yeah. state, how each, each different state is handling it. I mean, how is, how is Greece handling it? What are you guys allowed to do at this point? Things like that. Well, Greece reacted very quickly, actually. Thank God we reacted very quickly and we took extreme measures right away because Italy is right next to us. And it's, it was, it was, a uh, incredibly tragic what happened to Italy, you know? Uh, so we saw that and I think our borders closed very quickly, quarantine mode right away. I mean, I, we've been at home for over a month now. Um, so yeah, 
Yeah, and and uh, the I mean we've had very few cases. I think in total the whole, all all the cases we have in total is I think as of today around two and a half thousand people and maybe 120 people died. Oh wow! And they were all and they were all like very old people with. Ninety-five percent of them was more, most like they already had a, a you know pre-existing, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think yesterday nobody died. Yesterday was the first day that nobody died from this. Every day, you know, they announced how many people died in like, right, the right. last twenty-four hours. Um, so, um, but you know, we're still on uh, lockdown. We're still on quarantine, and uh, but I think from. Uh, Next week they're probably going to announce some new measures, like you know, slightly opening some, opening up some businesses again, and trying to find a way to get back to normal. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, you know, not to get too way in, into the uh, the the political side of it, but I mean, you know, Greece's economy for there for a while took a big hit, and you know, you don't, you definitely don't need another big hit. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we did, we did take a big hit, and uh, just when you think you're getting out of that, then boom, this happens. So. Uh, I think things will need to start functioning sooner or later here because you know we're a small country with a small economy and you, it won't you know we won't be able to go through this for too long like that. So, um, but um, things things are looking better. But um, you know you have to be careful about this as well because you have to think about to consider about the second wave of the virus and all those things. Oh yeah. So, so it's hard hard to hard to predict anything these days. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean normally at this time of the interview, you know, you always ask, you know, what are your touring plans? What's the rest of 2020 look like? And and almost at that at that time, I mean, at this time you can't even ask that question anymore. You're like, no. Well, you know, we've got some touring plans in place, but you know, those might get canceled too, so. Yeah, even 2021, I don't know what's happening. Like, I mean, sure there's been talks about, you know, going to postpone this US tour we were supposed to do where is this going to happen even next year? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, our business, I think, is going to be the last one who that's going to go back on track because it's based on public gatherings, like people in a, in a room, a lot of people in a room, you know, in a venue, small or big, doesn't matter, or festival. Right. Um, so I think this is going to be the last thing that comes back. So some people are even predicting like 2022. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, when we tour again, maybe next spring, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, it's a mess, man. It's uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll get all this back together. You know, back uh, back to normal soon, and then um, you know, once we get all that back together, then you guys can get back on the road and, and start promoting fire. You know, the self titled Firewind album, or you know, if it's a year or two, you know, maybe it's the next album you guys are gonna support. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Maybe by this time next year we have a new batch of songs recorded. We'll see how the next month play out. It's funny, somebody was just asking me, like, what, what's the first thing you're going to do when this is over? I'm like, book a tour, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the first thing. Well, Gus G, man, thanks for taking the time today. And like we said, uh, the new Firewind album out May 15th, uh, 2020. Make sure you're checking it out wherever you get your music legally. And uh, once again, Gus G, man, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. It's a pleasure. All right, man. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.